Well, we're going to focus on, obviously, our VBS coming up tonight in the next couple of days, and important, the importance of reaching kids for the kingdom of God. How many know that kids matter? Kids matter, to, children matter to God. And then this week, we're going to talk about the youth department. As you know, we got a new guy and his, his better half. Yep, I know better. These two together kind of dovetail. We didn't plan it that way. It's kind of a, now I would say coincidences, but there's no coincidence with, with God, right? Coincidence is when God chooses to remain anonymous. So tonight we're going to start with VBS. It's our prayerful attempt to reach the children of the area with the gospel of Christ. And I want to look at how serious kids are to the Lord. Very, very important. Sometimes we, think, we tend to think of children's ministry as secondary to adult ministry. Sort of a, oh, if we can have it, that's great, but it's something we don't need to have. But I think, and every church should have the same attitude, I think, that both are equally important. Adults, we want to reach adults with the, with the gospel, but we want to reach the kids with the gospel. The statistic I've shared before, and this is an old statistic, so it's probably more, 85% of people who come to know Christ do so before they're 18. 15% after they're 18. Because as you get older, you get set in your ways, children are open to truth. I saw a clip the other day, just a real short clip. Uh, it, was, it was an interview how many know who Matt Walsh is? I don't know if he's a Christian, but he's a conservative commentator. He was interviewing a college professor. College professor. And he says, I want to ask you something about truth. And the college professor says, I, ha I, take, a, I take issue with that word. And he says, what, the word truth? He says, yeah, I don't, I don't think there is a truth. Your truth is different than my truth and different from somebody else's truth. And he, and he kept saying, if you're going to ask me about truth, I'm going to end this interview. So you see, there's people that don't believe that there's truth. And he's a college professor, so he's teaching young skulls full of mush that there's no truth. But there is truth. And we want to prepare our kids when they're young and tell them there is truth. So that when they go into the world, they already have a preconceived knowledge of truth. And that's why we do VBS. That's why we have kids ministry, to prepare them so when they leave. When they leave the church, when they leave and go to college, when they leave our homes, we want them to at least be poured into by the Holy Spirit and by God's word. And so children are as important as adults. Now it's, you know, a lot of churches focus on adults because that's where the income comes from. You guys support. And you think you have to please the adults to keep them coming. I think it's not true. I think you minister to the kids and the adults will come. There's a, there's a saying in church growth that if you have money to spend, the first place you should spend it is kids, nursery, and children's ministry. Why? Because parents, if you have an excellent nursery and children's ministry, parents will put up with a eh, sanctuary. But if you have a glorious sanctuary and a eh, kids' ministry, they're not going to be here. If the nursery's kind of eh and the kids' ministry's kind of second rate, they're not going to stay. 
because they want the best, obviously, for the kids, and we want to give them that. So we're going to look at a familiar account that's recorded in three of the Gospels. And I think all of you know the story. Matthew 19 says, Some children were brought to Jesus so he could lay his hands on them and pray for them. The disciples told, him, told them not to bother him. But Jesus says, Let the children come to me. Don't stop them. For the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. And he put his hands on their heads and blessed them before he left. Luke's account says, One day some parents brought their little children to Jesus so he could teach them and bless them. But the disciples told them not to bother him. Then Jesus called for the children and said to the disciples, Let the children come to me. Don't stop them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. I assure you that anyone who does not have this kind of faith will never get into the kingdom of God. In Mark's gospel, one day some parents brought their children to Jesus so he could touch them and bless them. But the disciples told them not to bother him. But when Jesus saw what was happening, he was very displeased with the disciples. That's the verse that the other two don't have. And we're going to look at that in a second. He said to them, but when, the children, when Jesus saw this was happening, he was very displeased with his disciples. He said to them, let the children come to me. Don't stop them. For the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. I assure you, anyone who doesn't have this kind of faith will never get into the kingdom of God. Then he took the children into his arms and placed his hands on their head and blessed them. Now, for God to record something in three of the Gospels, it's significant. It's not just a one-off. It's three times that he reports it. And the one I'm going to look at is Mark's account because I'm going to look at the, the verse we just read. Verse 13 says, One day some parents brought their children to Jesus so he could touch them and bless them. So what's the context of what he's saying? What was Jesus saying right before this, this incident? Back in verse 13 in Matthew, says, then little children were brought to him. Mark says, then little children were brought to him. So this denotes that what was happening in the previous paragraph is just continuing on. It's not a break. It's the same exact momentum. In Mark's gospel, verse just before this, he says, some Pharisees came and tried to trap him with the question, should a man be allowed to divorce his wife? What did Moses say about divorce, Jesus asked him. Well, he permitted it, they replied. He said, a man merely has to write his wife an official letter of divorce and send her away. But Jesus responded, he wrote those instructions only as a concession to your hard-hearted wickedness. But God's plan was seen from the beginning of creation, for he made them male and female. This explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. Since they are no longer two but one, let no one separate them, for God has joined them together. Again, no coincidence that God is talking about marriage and then right after that, children. You see God's timeline and order? Logical, right? We don't see that a lot in today's society. It should be marriage, then children. All the, all the problems we're having in the world right now, the vast majority of it is because there's no fathers in the home. Single moms. I'm not knocking single moms. They do a great job. Anna was raised by a single mom. But the vast majority have no male influence in the home. That's why there's so much struggle going on in the world. So God says there's an order to this. There's marriage and then children. Now, the Jews at that time considered children a blessing and not a burden. How many have heard that children are a burden? 
not for the Jews. They were, that was a blessing. They were a rich treasure from God. And in that time, to be without children brought a couple sorrow and disgrace. Remember Hannah in the Old Testament? Her rival was, had a baby, and she didn't. 1 Samuel 1.10 says, Hannah was in deep anguish, crying bitterly as she prayed to the Lord. So you know what it was in that society to not have kids. It was rough. So these parents bringing their children to the Lord, they realized that they've been blessed with kids, and they want to bless. They want their children to be blessed. And the custom at that time was to bring the children to the rabbis for their blessing. Now look at this verse from the King James Version. I like the way it says, then the little children were brought to him. Mark's gospel, then the little children, again, were brought to him, same age group. But Luke's gospel says, they also brought infants to him. So now you have two accounts that were children, which is, these are toddlers, kids able to walk. And then you have older kids, 10 to 12 years old. And then Luke's account says, infants, which were baby, basically babies in arms. So Jesus was welcoming every age group. Now we have, we have nursery and we have children's ministry here. We have nursery because we want the children to be taught in the nursery if it's possible to teach them. But it's okay if they bring them into the sanctuary. I'd rather them be coming into the sanctuary than not coming to church at all. And you know what? If they cry, it's okay. I got to get over that. I got to adapt to that because I want them in church. Jesus welcomed every age group to him. We want this church to be open to every age group. If that means you sit in the sanctuary with your babies, I'm good with that. If you feel nervous, then go to the nursery. But we want you in church to minister to you and your children. Jesus welcomed every age group. Now verse 13 goes on and says, one day some parents brought their children to Jesus so he could touch them and bless them. But the disciples told them not to bother him. How often do we see something similar? that we think children are a bother, children are something to be avoided. Well, you saw what the effort was to put into VBS this week. I mean, you're seeing this, and it hasn't even started yet. Preparing for VBS is a lot of work, right? Right, Judy? A lot of work. It is. Preparing for every Sunday in children's ministry is work. Working in the nursery it's not everyone's first choice of ministry. <laughs> and if we're not careful, the older we get, the more we can think that children are a bother. I don't want to be one of those parents that yell at their kid, get off my front yard. <laughs> but if we're not careful, what happens? The older we get, we get that attitude. Oh, we've done our time, we've done kids, we don't want to do that. Well, what did Jesus say? <laughs> No, we don't get that option. And the disciples here, they were hard-hearted. Now, we'll give them some slack. Maybe they were tired. Maybe they wanted to protect Jesus' time. Maybe they thought they were doing his, him a favor by keeping the kids away. But basically, what they were thinking was, children, they're not important enough to bother Jesus with. And the disciples even got mad at the parents. If you look at the NIV, it says, but the disciples rebuked them. They rebuked the parents bringing the kids to Jesus. 
Now, it's strange because Jesus already told them the importance of kids just prior to that. In Mark 9, it says, He took a little child and had him stand among them. Taking him in his arms, he said to them, Whoever welcomes one of these little children in my name welcomes me. Whoever welcomes me does not welcome me, but the one who sent me. And then Luke, again, the chapter before this, Jesus said to his disciples, things that cause people to sin are bound to come. But woe to him, through whom that person, what to that person through whom they come? It would be better for him to be thrown into the sea with a millstone tied around his neck than for him to cause one of these little ones to sin. So watch yourself is what Jesus says. That's how serious Jesus took the teaching of kids. The children's ministry is not, to, not designed to be a babysitting program. How many know that? It's not, we don't babysit them so the adults can have a service. We minister to them. We teach them. It's a discipleship time. We pour into them regardless of what the adults are doing. Now, our old church, we, have our, we had, you know, classes on Wednesday for kids, and we had numerous parents dropping them off and going out and doing whatever they were doing. And that's okay because we were wanting to minister to the kids that may be the only time they get ministered to. And we want to pour into them. We want to teach them about Jesus. And maybe they're able to minister to their parents. Now, the New Living Translation says this, but when Jesus saw what was happening, he was very displeased with his disciples. I read, run, I read one commentary that says, the, NI, the N, New Living Translation goes a little bit too easy on Jesus' feelings. And all the other accounts omit this verse. But Mark records it, and the NIV says, when Jesus saw this, he was indignant. Jesus was indignant that anyone should think that children aren't important. The disciples may have thought they were doing something good, but again, they lacked spiritual sensitivity. They're looking at it not from a spiritual aspect, but from a human aspect. We have our VBS and we have our Sunday and Wednesday classes because we want to bring kids to Jesus. And we are going to be held accountable for what we do with the children that come into this building. If we stop having this outreach or we can help stop having our classes, what we're in effect doing is we are now keeping kids from Jesus. The minute we think that that, that is the way we should do it, is I think the glory of God will depart. And I think we get rebuked at that moment. We as a church are mandated by God to, be, to do our best to reach kids for Christ. That is our God-given responsibility. VBS and children's ministry should never be an option for any church, but should be on par with the Sunday sermon. Because you guys are already Christians for the most part. And if you're not, I'm glad you're here. We're gonna share the gospel with you. But the kids, they wanna be introduced to Jesus. We wanna tell them about Christ. There's a saying that I think Dobson said it, it's better to build children than repair men. Because that's what happens. When someone gets saved later in life, you're basically repairing all the years before. When I got saved at 30, there was so much junk that I accumulated in those 30 years that took a long time to get rid of. And it's still some of it's hanging around. I would love to have been a Christian all my life and not have any of that crap behind me. That's what we want for the kids. 
We want them to serve God from the beginning as soon as they can so they live their whole life serving God. I heard a, a pastor say once that, you know, it's great to hear a testimony from someone who gets saved out of drugs and alcohol and stuff like that. And it's powerful. God can do that. But it's just as miraculous to have someone who's 50 to say, you know what, I've never been in any of that because God's kept me from all of it. That's just as powerful as God saving you out of that. Children are not a bother or an imposition or second-class people. In fact, Jesus tells us what? To be like kids. How often do we hear, or have you said, why don't you act like an adult? You ever say that to your kids? What did Jesus say? Hey, why don't you act like a child? Mark 10, 15 says, I tell you the truth, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. That means we've got to act like children. So what are some of the characteristics of kids? A child enjoys most everything, but can explain a little bit of why he likes it. When I tell the grandkids we're going to McDonald's, yay, oh, yay. When I tell Anna we're going to McDonald's, <laughs> nope, not so much. That's kind of a last resort. If we're starving and nothing is open, we might go to McDonald's. Do you enjoy life and happenings around you like kids do? Do you appreciate the little things like kids do without having the need or the want to explain them? How often do you thank God for the little things you have? Or maybe the things that you didn't come your way. Didn't, when you started having your pain, you took that walking for granted, didn't you? And now you're thankful. You know, the saying says, you don't know what you have until you don't have it. How often are you thankful for the things that you think are just normal? You're thankful for air conditioning. You're thankful for health. You're thankful for getting up in the morning. Thankful for electricity. We take the kids sometimes to Five Below and they can pick out one $5 gift. Makes their day. I can't remember the last time I bought something for five bucks that made my day. <laughs> Do you appreciate all the little things that God does for you? That's what being a kid is like. And not only that, when they're little, Every word you say, man, they just hang on. Now, when they get older, not so much. But when they're little kids, man, they just, they want to please you. They want to tell you everything. And they want you to look at every, our kids, Pap, look at this, look at this, look at this, look at this. And it's like, okay. Or they'll tell, when I'll, I'll pick up the kids sometimes, bring them to church, and they live out in Glen Rock. The entire way home, they're talking. Like, okay. Well, you know what? They're not always going to do that. That's how God wants us to be with him. Do you talk to God like that? Are you in your car? I was coming to church this morning and saying, Lord, just, just talking to God. Thanking him that we're here. Thanking him for all this. Thanking him for all the, the help that we have. 
And for what God's gonna do with Savvy and Jazz, I'm excited. You thank him for those things. Children live by faith. You tell them you're gonna do something, they believe you. When I, when I was a kid, my parents, my dad was 33 when he got married. He would tell me for years that he was 21. I believed it. And so I would go to school, first grade, how old's your parents? Oh, 21. And I'm like six. And I, I believed it until I fight and start doing the math. And then, I don't know where he got this from. Remember the signs that would say falling rock? Like, he would tell me that that was an Indian escape from a reservation. And every time we saw that sign, that's, they spotted him here. And I believed it. We had a, a pilot light igniter on our furnace when we were kids just to relight the pilot light if it ever went out. I think I said this, my dad would say, if you push this button, it will blow up the house. I mean, serious. Just, if you touch that button, it's gonna blow up the house. So man, I was, you know, all about not touching that button. My brother would come up and go, he's a rebel. And then the house didn't blow up. I'm like, whoa. Kids believe what you tell them. Do we believe what God tells us? Simple faith. Or do we have to analyze everything and say, well, what about this and what about that? Or do we just believe it because it's written? When the Bible says you need to be saved, okay. I mean, kids, I don't know how many times kids pray their prayer of salvation at VBS every night. Same kids come up. Same kids. Because you say, come on up. And they believe it and they do it. Adults were too busy. I don't know if I don't, you know. What about this and what about that? And you talk to someone who's an adult about their faith and they'll bring up all these excuses and reasons why they don't believe. Where kids, man, they just say, okay. I believe it. And that's why it's so important that while they're able to receive that kind of stuff, you teach them the truth. They believe it. Kids don't worry about whether the light's going to be on. They don't worry about paying the cable bill. They don't worry about the gas bill. They just believe that mom and dad will take care of it. Do we have the same attitude? You know, what, what did the Bible say in Matthew 6, 25? So I tell you, don't worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food or drink or clothes. Doesn't life consist of more than food and clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or put food in barns because your heavenly Father feeds them. And you are far more valuable to them than they are. Can all of your worries add a single moment to your life? Of course not. In fact, worries shortens your life, I think. And why worry about your clothes? Look at the lilies and how they grow. Don't they work or make their clothing? Yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for flowers that are here today and gone tomorrow, won't he more surely care for you? You have so little faith, so don't worry about having enough food or drink or clothing. Why be like the pagans who are so deeply concerned about these things? Your heavenly Father already knows all of your needs, and he will give you all you need from day to day if you live for him and make the kingdom of God your primary concern. Kids don't worry about, they may worry about not liking your dinner, but they don't worry about not having food. They don't worry about not having water. 
They don't worry about ha not having clothes because they trust their mom and dad to do it. They don't question anything. Well, they question everything, but they trust you for anything. We should have the same faith. When things start making us nervous, what's the Bible say? Don't worry. God knows what you need. Before you ask, you trust him to provide it. May not be, well, like, like dinner. When the grandkids come over, what's for dinner, Pap? Whenever I tell them, they don't like it. They want chicken nuggets or mac and cheese. They're going to look like a nugget. But they don't, they don't doubt that we're going to feed them. We don't doubt that God's going to take care of us. When, you, when little kids get hurt, where do they run to? Mom or dad. And we were taking Taylor's kids out the other day, and they were rocking, walking right next to me by themselves, not holding my hand, and uh, Larkin tripped, skinned both of her knees. I'm right here. Her mom's back there. <whistles> Runs back to her mom. Who's pap? <laughs> Wanted her mom. When you're hurt, where do you run? You shouldn't run to other people. You run to God. We enjoy our family, our Christian brothers and sisters. But there are times when you just want dad, right? And sometimes if you're around someone who has a need, they don't need you to talk, they need you just to listen. And guess what? God's a good listener. And the Bible says God understands what you're going through. I may not understand it. In fact, I probably don't understand it. But you have a God who does. So when you hurt, you crawl up on God's lap and say, Dad, I need you. Because God's the only one that can really do anything about it. To receive the kingdom of God means that we enjoy life by faith. That God is in control and we don't have to worry about it. My grandmother, my mom's mom, worried all the time about everything and anything. And she never really enjoyed life because she's always so worried about whatever was happening next. And uh, it just, it was kind of discouraging going over to visit because she would just worry about everything. God says, you can't enjoy what I've given you if you worry about every single thing in your life. Even little kids, when they worry about school or whatever, you want to take that worry away and focus on other things. Mark 10, 16 says, and he took the children in his arms and put his hands on them and blessed them. So it appears that they are smaller children if he's able to hold them in his arms. It's not specific age-wise, so we really can't be specific. But the word here, bless, is the word for fervently bless them or have an intense, intensive force. This was the overflowing and divine love that Jesus had for these children. And the disciples almost kept the children from receiving that fervent blessing from Jesus. When we have outreaches and classes, we bring the children in to be blessed by Jesus. We pray that the Holy Spirit uses us. We pray that the Holy Spirit fills us with words. And we want the Holy Spirit to flow out through us to bless them. 
And we allow Jesus to pour his blessings into the kids that we minister to. If we don't do that, then we are just like the disciples. We're denying the children the blessing that Jesus wants to pour into them. Now, I don't want to stand on Judgment Day and have Jesus say to me, hey, you know, you kept those kids from receiving my blessings. I'm going to close with this one thought. And it's only 25 of. You guys might get out early. We've been talking about the church's responsibility to children. And we take that responsibility seriously. But the same things need to be applied to parents. Parents make choices for their children all the time that kids don't like. We only have your kids a couple hours a week. School has them a lot, and you have them more than we do. When we were at Christian School of York, their, their theme was, look, all we can do is reinforce what you teach them at home. You know, don't expect us to transform them if you're not doing this at home with them. And the same thing applies here. We can pour into them as much as we want, but it needs to be backed up by what you all do at home. We make, kids, we make choices for our kids. We do it, and they don't like it, but we do it for their welfare and benefit. How many of you make, when you had kids, you made them go to school? How many of you take them for doctor's checkups? Make your kids get shots. I'm sure they love that. Do you have bedtime for your kids? They can't stay up till midnight or 2 o'clock in the morning. Do you have internet restrictions? Well, you can't go on this side and you can't use it after this time. We make all kinds of choices for our kids when they're home most of which they don't like, but we do it as parents because we know it's best for them. But I've noticed for some reason that we think that bringing them to church is too much of a burden for the children. <laughs> parents have told me that they'll let their kids make up their own mind about Jesus when they get older. Or I don't want to bring them to church because I let them sleep in on Sundays. Or, here's a good one, and I've heard it because my kids have said it to me. Dad, you all, all you did was ever take us to church. You know what my response is? If that's the worst we ever did to you, I'm cool with that. <laughs> Do you let them choose when they go to bed? Do you let them choose what they can have for dinner? Do you let them choose whether or not they go to school? Let them watch whatever they want to watch on TV or online? No, you don't. You make a choice for them because you know what's better for them. As Christians, we make a choice to go to church, to be in God's house. And they may grumble and complain about it, and you know what? Suck it up. <laughs> they don't want to go to school on Monday morning. We don't say, oh, okay, you can, you can sleep, and I know it's, no, get up, get dressed, go to school. You got a doctor's appointment today, you're getting shots. Uh, okay, you don't have to get a shot. No, get up, roll up the sleeve, take the shot. If children see, the Bible says, or not Bible, but Dobson says, more is caught than taught. In other words, your kids will, be, will see what you do and do it more than they'll listen to what you say and do it. 
if you say church is important, but you now go, that's what they see, that church isn't important to you or church isn't important to them. They'll see what you do. When you become a parent, God gives you a tremendous blessing. But with that blessing comes a responsibility now to train those kids to love Jesus. Now, when they get older, they make up their own minds, but our job is to pour into them as much as we can when we have them. And the last line I wrote here, it says, don't allow your kids to miss out on the fervent blessings that Jesus wants to pour into them. That's what we want to do here, but we also want you to do that at home. It's, it's eternally important what we do with our children because as we read earlier, it's better to have a millstone tied around your neck than to take these ones away from the Lord. God gives you kids and grandkids and he gives you responsibility for that. You do what you're supposed to do. God's gonna take care of the rest. And so when VBS starts tonight, we're doing our part to lead kids to Jesus. But it's only one day or four days. It's, it's gotta be backed up here every Sunday and Wednesday which means you gotta bring them every Sunday and Wednesday. And it's backed up by what you do at home. Now we got saved when we were older, so it was kind of a learning curve for us. And that's okay. Be a learning curve. New parents at the learning curve, everything you do. But your kids are gonna see it. And they're gonna see what's important to you. And the Bible says, train up a child in the way he should go. When he's old, he won't depart from it. Sometimes it's old. <laughs> and he won't depart from it. But it's a good principle that we live by. So we wanna make sure that we're doing everything we can to lead kids to Jesus. We're doing our part. I wanna hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Our job is to pour into them. Their job is to make the choice, and God's job is to keep them. Amen? Would you stand now? We're gonna close... I'm going to have prayer time. I'm going to have, if you are working VBS, I want you to come out in front. It's going to take, how many know it, you need God's anointing to do this? You need the Holy Spirit to fill you to do it. How many, now, because it's so crazy this month, this is VBS night, guess what today is? What Christian holiday today is? Pentecost, right? And I, we're so busy with VBS, I didn't even think about that until today or earlier this week. I didn't want to preach a Pentecost sermon because we're not doing that. But Pentecost is the baptism of the Holy Spirit where every believer gets filled with the Holy Spirit. That's what we need for these kids, right? We can only do what we can do as humans, but we need the power of God in us to speak through us, to do things through us that we don't normally do. Paul says, you know, I didn't come to you with eloquent speech or I didn't smart words, but I came to you showing the power of God. And that's what we need for these kids. We need the anointing. God will give you words to say. God may give you words of wisdom or words of knowledge for these kids that you're able to minister to them. But we need the Holy Spirit to do that. Now, I want everyone here, if you could gather up behind them 
and lay your hands on them, they're going to need God's Spirit to succeed. And we're going to pray for good weather. We're going to pray for great attendance. We want God to take control of this. Paul had to go and prepare sermons and preach, but it was the power of God that did any work. Hallelujah. Father, we just stand before you this morning and we thank you. We thank you that we come to know you, that we are saved. We thank you that you took time with us, that you're long-suffering with us and you saved us and we now experience the blessings of God here plus the future blessings of heaven and we are so grateful for that, Lord. But Father, you know our, our VBS starts tonight and our kids' ministry continues on. We need your anointing and we need your spirit to work and do great things through these kids. All we can do is the things that we've done materially with the decorations and the planning and everything else. But Father, spiritual work needs spiritual power. So Lord, I pray that you would fill each worker here with your Holy Spirit. I pray that you would give us each discernment and wisdom for each of these children that are coming. They may be coming from terrible situations at home. They may be struggling in their own life, young kids. I pray that you would give us sensitivity to that, that we're able to introduce them to a God who loves them and cares, them, cares for them more than anything else, that Jesus loves them. They may not experience that love at home. Maybe they don't have a dad who can exp- show them that love. So Father, I pray that you would help us to do that. that everything we can do in the physical We need your spiritual work to lead them into the kingdom of God. So I pray your anointing upon every worker. I pray your anointing upon every event. Bless Judy as she teaches, Lord. I pray your anointing and powers upon her. And I pray that these kids, their hearts are open to the truth, that they respond to these things and not only respond that night, but Father, you keep them. You seal them with the Holy Spirit so that they don't go home and forget about it. But God, they are sealed and that that word finds good soil in their life and it takes root, Lord, and it grows and they become what you want them to be regardless of what's happening at home. They serve you and love you. And we pray for the parents that are bringing them or or whoever the guardian is. We pray that, God, you would touch their hearts as well. Let them not want to keep the kids home. Let them not be too busy to bring them. But I pray that you would put it in their hearts to want to bring them and that when they come in at the end of the service or they stick around, I pray that they would see us as Christians, operating as Christians, and I pray that they would hear the word as they hear the, the simple message that the kids are hearing. And that, Lord, you not only save these kids, but you save their parents as well. That you grow the kingdom of God by what we're doing. Lord, it's, it's not us, Lord, it's not what we do. We're doing what we can do physically, but we need the power of the Holy Spirit to really affect any change. And I pray that you would anoint each one of us here, prepare the hearts and anoint their spirits for the kids that are coming and all their parents that may be hanging around. Lord, you do your work. I pray for your blessing upon this event. Let many kids come to know you. Fill this sanctuary, Lord. We want to fill it up with kids. If we need more chairs, Lord, that's an awesome. We want to fill this place with kids. And we pray that all that we do has an eternal effect on their lives. Not just a fun couple of days, but eternity. Let eternity matter to these kids and let them make a decision that will last for eternity. We're your workers, Lord, and we thank you. I thank you for all those who have volunteered to help, Lord. I thank you for the the great help we're going to have. We can't do it alone. And we thank you for those workers, and I just pray your blessing upon them and their families. Keep everyone safe and healthy. Give us great weather. 
Give us everything working out. Let there be no glitches. I just pray your hand is upon all that we do. Let there be no distractions to what the kingdom of God wants to do in, in this church. So, Father, we commit ourselves to you, and we do it in Jesus' name. And everyone shouted, amen, amen. amen. Give the Lord a praise offering this morning. <laughs>